Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariyah on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina istafa. Khususan ala Sayyidir Rasul wa Khatimil Anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. Among the famous tribes of Medina Munawwara were the two Ansari tribes, Aus and Khazraj. During the time of Rasulullah they were together, they were united. They stood by the side of Rasulullah in all of the expeditions and at times when Rasulullah would seek the approval of the Ansar for any matter, he would look towards the Aus and then separately look towards the Khazraj as well, to involve them, to engage them, to make sure both of these major tribes had buy-in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an that it was the fadl and favor of Allah that their hearts were bound together. Because not too long, Earlier, these two tribes were at the throats of one another. And there was such rivalry between them that they had spent decades just fighting with one another and killing one another. At some point, the historians write, no one even knew why these battles existed. People were just killing one another. And throughout the time in Medina Munawwara, the Prophet ﷺ very carefully balanced this, this equilibrium, this love that existed between the Aus and Khazraj. The Munafiqun, who are hypocrites, claimed to be Muslims, but they were from these tribes, they would use this to their advantage knowing that the history between Aus and Khazraj was rough. So if they found the opportunity, they would stoke that fire to see if they can get some flames come out of it. Prior to the arrival of Rasulullah in Medina Munawwara, five years approximately earlier, there was the great war of Bu'ath, Yom Bu'ath, that broke out. And it was where the Aus and Khazraj really went at each other. They went full throttle against each other. Many great men lost their lives in that battle. And one of the people who died left behind a six-year-old child 
who more or less spent the rest of his life as an orphan. The Prophet ﷺ arrives in Medina Munawwara five years after his daughter died, after his father died. At that point, this young man is 11 years old. He had already accepted Islam. The Prophet ﷺ sent Mus'ab bin Umair to Medina Munawwara prior to his own arrival to prepare the people, to invite the people to Islam, to help them become familiar with the message of Rasulullah So this wasn't all just something new. This young companion who was only 11 years old, he accepted Islam at the hands of Mus'ab bin Umair and also became one of his very close and dear students. He was like a sponge that if you poured something onto them, he would retain it right away. The Prophet ﷺ arrives in Medina Munawwara. And the second year after, as the companions are lining up for the Battle of Badr to be enlisted, so they can travel with the Prophet ﷺ to intercept the caravan of Abu Sufyan, this young man lines up as well, carrying a sword that possibly was maybe his height hoping to be enlisted. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam smiled at him and turned him away because of his young age. He missed the honor of standing with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the battle of Badr. The next year around, he was 13 years old. He tried again, 13 or 14 years old, that the battle of Uhud is about to take place. Medina Munawwara will soon be under attack. He stood in line with some of the other companions standing on his tiptoes and hoping that the Prophet ﷺ would accept him. Nabi ﷺ looked at him again and said, You're too young. You shouldn't be in the battlefield and sent him off again. Meanwhile, this young man, he felt this thirst, this desire that he wanted to display his talent his love for the Prophet of Allah, his love for Allah. He wanted to show Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he was something special, but didn't know when his turn would come for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to see how unique and special he was. Then he says in his own words, Utiya bi an-Nabiyu Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I was brought to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The people of Medina Munawwara they said, قَالُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ إِنَّ هَذَا غُلَامٌ مِنْ بَنِ النَّجَّارِ This young man right here, he is from the people of Banu Najjar, and he is Khazraji, one of the Madani tribes. وَقَدْ قَرَأَ مِمَّا أُنزِلَ عَلَيْكَ سَبْعَةَ عَشَرَةَ سُورَةً And he has already memorized 17 surahs of the Qur'an. He's so young barely in his teenage years and has 17 significant chapters memorized. The Prophet ﷺ was amazed. Who is this young kid that has so much Qur'an memorized? So the Prophet ﷺ called me and said, read. فَقَرَأْتُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. I began to recite to the Prophet ﷺ. فَأَعْجَبَهُ ذَلِكَ Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was so amazed by how intelligent this young man was and how beautifully he recited, how accurately he recited. 
how this person, every pronunciation of his was right on point. Nothing was missed at all. The attention to detail was clearly visible. So the Prophet ﷺ said, O Zayd bin Thabit, I will give you a task. I have correspondence with the Jews of Medina Munawwara and I don't understand their language. Go and learn their language. This young man, Zayd bin Thabit again, bear in mind, barely in his teenage years, he says, O Messenger of Allah, done. Now go and ask someone who is in the year one of the Qalam seminary program, Alamiya program, and ask them how it feels to learn a language. All the conjugation and um, you're about to finish off your Nahu Sarf rules and about to enter into Qasasun Nabiyyin on the cusp of entering into implementation of the rules that you've been learning. It's a big deal. And it takes you weeks and months to even get the basic Kullu fa'il marfu'u, kullu mudaf ilayhi majroor, kullu maf'ul mansub down, like the basic qawaid. It takes time before you forget them again. I was speaking to my son earlier today after picking him up from school, and I said, Birda, what's the hardest um, subject in school right now? He says to me, Spanish. I said, say, say a sentence to me. And then he said something that sounded like khamistash. It's supposed to be like, how are you doing or something? And then... <laughs> it's his hardest subject. His hardest subject is a language. It's, it's usually for most people a tough thing to learn. It's not easy. You have to learn so many qawaid, so many rules, conjugation. But Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an, he says, I told the Prophet of Allah, I'm going to do it. فَتَعَلَّمْتُهُ فَمَا مَضَالِي نِصْفُ شَهْرٍ حَتَّى حَذَقْتُهُ That's the key part. So I learned the language and a half a month had not passed by. 14 or 15 days, we don't know how many days that month was. If it was 29 days, it was 14 and a half days he's talking about. And if it was a full 30 day month, then we'll say, okay, it was a full 15. Half a month passed by, and he doesn't say that I begin to grasp the language, Hatta hadaqtuhu, I had mastered it. I knew everything I needed to know. I was ready to translate legal political documents. Hatta hadaqtuhu. Fakuntu aktubu li Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so then I would write for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ida kataba ilayhim, qala li Rasulullah atuhsinu suryaniya. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked me, what about Suryaniya? Are you good at that language? He said, La, I'm not. The Prophet ﷺ said, Fata'allamha, then go and learn it. Fata'allamtuha fi sabaati ashara yawman. I then learned the second language in 15 days. He was so intelligent, so smart, that Rasulullah enlisted him among the select few who had the honor of being scribes of revelation. That when Rasulullah would receive verses from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he would call these unique companions, these special companions, and he would say to them that write these words down, write these ayat down. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this, your task is to document it. He says regarding um, a beautiful verse of Surah An-Nisa, that one day I was with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to me, Uktub. This is verse number 95 of Surah An-Nisa. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to me, Uktub. La yastawil qa'iduna wal mujahiduna fi sabirillah. Bi amwalihim wa anfusihim. Faddal Allahum mujahideena. Bi amwalihim wa anfusihim ala al-qa'idina darajah. So he said, Rasulullah told me to write, لَا يَسْتَوِي الْقَاعِدُونَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُجَاهِدِينَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ بِأَمْوَالِهِمْ وَأَنفُسِهِمْ So as I was beginning to write those verses down, فَجَاءَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ فَجَاءَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ إِبْنُ أُمِّ مَكْتُومٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهِ Abdullah ibn Ummi Maktoum radiallahu anhu arrived and he was someone that was blind, he couldn't see. He said, O Messenger of Allah, Allah says that those who fight in the path of Allah have a special maqam. And I am not one of those people. I'm not able to fight in jihad. I'm not able to see. I'm not able to fight in the battlefield. Zayd, Zayd bin Thabit says that at that moment, my thigh was under the thigh of Rasulullah And right when Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum made this comment, فَثَقُلَتْ فَخِذُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ عَلَى فَخِذِي Nabi Wasallam's thigh became very heavy on mine. حَتَّى خَشِيتُ أَن تَرُضَّهَا I thought it was going to smash my thigh bone, like I was going to lose my leg. Then Nabi opened his eyes and revelation came to an end. This was a sign of revelation. His body would become heavy. The Prophet opened his eyes and he said to me, Uktub la yastawil qa'iduna min al mu'minina ghayru ulid dharari wal mujahiduna fi sabirillahi bi amwalihim wa anfasim. That those from the believers who sat behind from the battles and the fighters in the path of Allah who spent their wealth and their lives for his cause are not the same. So that was the first part of the ayah. So Abdullah bin Umm Maktoum said, I kind of feel left out here. So then Nabi wasallam received a second revelation in which a word was included, that this exclusion or this, uh, this lack of reward in comparison to the mujahid does not apply to one who was held back due to an, an udhar, a valid excuse. So he was the one that would write down the revelation. Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu. He narrates so much from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you open the books of hadith, you'll find his narrations in every major chapter. Specifically in Kitab al-Fara'id and also in Kitab al-Buyu'h. In the chapters on transactions and also in the chapter of uh, inheritance law. The Prophet ﷺ praised him for his intelligence in inheritance law. He ﷺ said, وَأَفْرَضُهُمْ زَيْدُ بْنُ ثَابِتِ The one that has the greatest mastery in Islamic law, inheritance Islamic law, is Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala The companions would say among them that there are four people who have mastered the Qur'an. There are four people that have mastered the Qur'an. And from them, 
that formed them was Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu. Anas radiallahu anhu said this. Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu said, جَمَعَ الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ أَهْدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أَرْبَعَةٌ كُلُّهُمْ مِنَ الْأَنصَارِ There were four people who had mastered the Qur'an at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu and all four of them were from the Ansar. And uh, from them was Zayd ibn, Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu ta'ala When the Prophet sallallahu departed from this dunya, there was a dispute that broke out. The Ansar gathered together to discuss who the next Khalifa would be. The other senior companions were grieving in the mosque of Rasulullah Someone came in and informed them, the Ansar have gathered to discuss who the next Khalifa will be. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, and Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah radiallahu they quickly rushed to see what's happening. Even though they were sad and they were overwhelmed with the passing of the Prophet of Allah, but they understood that if a Khalifa was going to be appointed, it had to be done properly, a lot, otherwise a lot of what was accomplished would be overturned. So they quickly rushed to the uh, place where the Ansar had gathered. And the Ansar stated that the Khalifa will be from us since we were the ones that supported Rasulullah There was some conversation that went back and forward. And then they said, okay, how about this? One Khalifa from us, the Ansar, one Khalifa from you, the Muhajirun. Umar was locked and loaded. He wanted to respond. Abu Bakr Siddiq held him back. Don't say anything. Wait, be patient. There was a pause. The Ansar made their statement and made their offer. And the Muhajirun were standing on this side. On this side and Abu Bakr Siddiq was holding Umar back and holding back Abu Ubaidah ibn Jarrah from any response. In that moment, this young companion of Rasulullah who was around 21 years old, he speaks up and makes a historical statement. Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu says, فَقَامَ زَيْدُ بْنَ ثَابِتٍ فَقَالَ إِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَنَحْنُ أَنصَارُهُ وَإِنَّمَا يَكُونُ الْإِمَامُ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَنَحْنُ أَنصَارُهُ The Prophet ﷺ was from the Muhajirun. We were his helpers. So we will continue the role we always had. We want the next Khalifa to be from the Muhajirun just as the Prophet was from the Muhajir as well. And we were the helpers of the Prophet of Allah. Whoever is appointed to be the Khalifa, we will continue to fulfill that role that we had with the Prophet of Allah for the next Khalifa too. وَنَحْنُ أَنصَارُهُ When Abu Bakr Siddiq heard this, he stood up and said, جَزَاكُمُ اللَّهُ خَيْرًا يَا مَعْشَرِ الْأَنصَارِ وَثَبَّتَ قَائِلَكُمْ May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you, O people of the Ansar, وَثَبَّتَ قَائِلَكُمْ أَيْ ثَبَّتَ اللَّهُ قَائِلَكُمْ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted firmness to your speaker. وَإِنَّمَا He said, وَلَوْ قُلْتُمْ غَيْرَ هَذَا مَا صَالَحْنَاكُمْ And had you proposed anything other than this, we wouldn't have accepted it. Because the Prophet ﷺ instructed them, and then Abu Bakr Siddiq in one riwayah, he stated, the Prophet of Allah said, the leaders will be from the Quraysh, Al-A'immatu min Quraysh. Abu Bakr Siddiq during his Khilafah gave Zayd bin Thabit a unique position, a position of scholarship, a position of leadership, someone that would solve the matters of people if there was confusion. 
because of his great knowledge. After the battle of Yamama, when a great number of Huffad from the Sahaba were martyred, Umar approached Abu Bakr Siddiq and said to him, we should document the Qur'an in one official document. Right now there are parts of the Qur'an here, parts of the Qur'an there. It needs to be gathered in one place. Abu Bakr Siddiq originally was reluctant and he said that, how can we do something that the Prophet of Allah didn't do? Umar said, oh, wallahi khair. it's a good idea, just think about it. So Abu Bakr Siddiq gave it some thought. And finally when he felt more comfortable with the idea that this makes sense, that an official copy of the Qur'an should be gathered, people have their individual copies, we need one official copy. He called Abu Bakr Siddiq now had to appoint a team to take on this task. So he called Zayd bin Thabit And he said to him, إِنَّكَ رَجُلٌ شَابٌ عَاقِلٌ لَا نَتَّهِمُكَ You are a young, intelligent man who we have no suspicion of. وَقَدْ, وقد كُنْتَ تَكْتُبَ الْوَحِي لِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. And you were selected by the Prophet of Allah to write down revelation as it was revealed on him. Meaning the Prophet of Allah trusted you. You understand how serious this is. How one letter can't be here or there. One word can't be here or there. Every ayah must be in its place. فَجْمَعْهُمْ Go and collect the Qur'an. Zayd bin Thabit originally he said the same thing that Abu Bakr Siddiq said. He said, How can we do something the Prophet of Allah didn't do? Abu Bakr Siddiq gave the same response, Huwa wallahi khair. This is a good idea. Give it some thought. فَلَمْ يَزَلْ أَبُو بَكْرِ يُرَاجِعُنِي حَتَّى شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرِ لِلَّذِي شَرَحَ لَهُ صَدْرَ أَبِي بَكْرِ وَعُمْرِ Abu Bakr Siddiq kept following up with me. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Until he says, finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expanded my heart to accept this new project that it was right. Just as he opened it up for Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar Zayd bin Thabit says that this was the greatest undertaking of my life. Imagine someone who's given a project that is valued at like $10 million. You're the head of a $10 million project. You feel a little pressure, right? Imagine it's a $100 million project. Imagine you're brokering a deal that's $100 million. Either you're in, either you're out. Either a lot of people are going to get rich or someone's going to kill you. That bad. Put all that weight aside and try to see if you can imagine the burden on the shoulder of Zayd bin Thabit that the Muslims until the Day of Judgment will be reading from the copy of the Qur'an that I will gather. And Rasulullah lived 23 years for this revelation. I have to make sure I do a job that is unquestionable. Unquestionable. So Zayd bin Thabit creates his framework. He creates a system that I need this many people to be able to um, testify. They heard these verses from Rasulullah Then he created a separate team of Hafad who were on call with him during the job. 
that once those people would come to testify of verses, those verses had to be memorized with these people. And then he was one of those people too, because they were hafid of the full Qur'an. And then after that, they, he also needed written documentation that two people had witnessed it had been written during the time of Rasulullah So he created this very sophisticated system that allowed for corroboration between the written and the oral tradition. And he was intelligent. Once, um, anyway, that's another discussion for another time, the whole idea of the oral tradition, written tradition, and what tawatur means in both of these. Tawatur in the oral tradition is different from the tawatur in the written tradition. Because when you have the written tradition, Allah sets a new bar of what is acceptable and what is of the highest integrity. For that Allah says, Because some Orientalists raise this objection, they say the written copy of the Qur'an is not mutawatir, because he only required two witnesses. Mutawatir means it's, it's falsehood, it's inconceivable. Usually when scholars of hadith define mutawatir, they say that it must be such that at any given point there are a minimum of seven narrators. That's the minimum number. A minimum of how many narrators per generation? Seven. Then there's a 10 number, then there's a 15 number, 20, 40, and 70, and the numbers just keep going higher and higher from there. So the, one of the big objections the Orientalists raise against the written copy of the Qur'an, they say, yes, your oral tradition may be mutawatir, because he had a whole system in place of multiple hafad sitting here. He was the one that also reviewed it. And these people came with their doctor, with their recitations. But what about the written tradition? Here in your Muslim books, it's written that he only took, Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anh, only required how many witnesses? Two. So at this point, the ulama, they write, that when it comes to the written tradition, the standard was set by Allah azawajal. وَاسْتَشْهِدُوا شَهِيدَيْنِ مِنْ رِجَالِكُمْ إِذَا تَدَايَنْتُمْ بِذَيْنٍ إِلَىٰ أَجْلٍ مُسَمَّنْ فَاكْتُبُوهُ That when it comes to writing documents and taking oaths like this in a written document, there's a whole different standard. And two witnesses that witness it will suffice. Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anh takes on the grand task of compiling the Qur'an. And by the father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was able to accomplish it. There were hiccups along the road. There were some verses that he knew existed and were there because everyone had it memorized, but he couldn't find the written document of it. For example, the ayah of Surah Al-Ahzab, مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ رِجَالٌ صَدَقُوا مَا عَاهَدُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ And other than that, there were one or two other places where he had a few bumps, and he would go through the streets of Medina asking people, who has these verses? Who has these verses? And would send out messengers to find where are these verses of the Qur'an, bring them forward, until the entire task was complete. And when it was complete, Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anh says, that was the day that I felt the burden of the mountain had been lifted from my shoulders. Oof, accomplished it. Little did he know that he would be tested again in a few years. Another test from Allah was going to come. During the Khilafah of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anh, the Muslim soldiers had gone far. And they were in Azerbaijan. And while the Muslims were fighting there, some of these, some of these soldiers broke out into a fight over the different qira'at the different ahruf, that someone's trying to read it like this, someone's trying to read it like that. And as they were in their debate and arguing with one another, Hudayfa radiallahu anh sent a letter to Uthman radiallahu anh and said, it's appropriate that now you compile the Qur'an on lughat al-Quraysh, on the dialect of the Quraysh. Uthman bin Affan radiallahu anh realized what Hudayfa radiallahu anh was saying, that originally when the Qur'an came in multiple dialects, it was, it was to accommodate the different tribes of the Arabs. 
who were very boastful and committed to their unique dialects. And if the Qur'an only came in one dialect of the Quraysh, that would wipe away their entire culture. And these were people that were very proud of their poetry and language. That would be too big of a hit for them. It would be disgrace on them. So when the, Quraysh, when the Qur'an was revealed on Lughatul Quraysh and the other Lughat as well, the other dialects as well, it accommodated them. But now Islam had gone beyond the Jazeera. It had gone beyond Arabia. So this hikmah of the Qur'an being revealed in this manner and being preserved in this manner, it still remained, but now it was time to document the Qur'an on one dialect. So Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu an, he began to go through his phone book directory that who will be the person that will take on this task, who's most qualified. And he calls up Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an. And Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an himself again says, it was the greatest task of my life. I thought I was done, and here it came again. The next months of his life were buried. Because now he went through the whole process again, but this time to collect the Qur'an ala lughati Quraysh, on the dialect of the Quraysh. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud an, he was uh, upset with Uthman ibn Affan an, on this masala. Because Uthman bin Affan appointed Zayd bin Thabit as the head of this project, even though Ibn Mas'ud was more senior. He was, according to some of the historians, the sixth person to accept Islam. Senior not only in age, but also in accepting Islam. Uthman bin Affan realized that Ibn Mas'ud wasn't happy with him. So he said to him that. I didn't leave you out of this, and I didn't... I, I, it's not that I didn't give you this responsibility because I had a question, about regard, a question of your intelligence, your integrity, your knowledge. But I gave him, Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an, this task, doing taqlid of my predecessors, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah. That when they had to choose someone to compile the Qur'an, they chose this man. He is still alive. He did it once, he knows all the contacts, all the people. He has a system in place. This guy knows how to do it. So that's why I chose him to be in the place. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud however, did continue to remain somewhat upset with Uthman bin Affan And this is one of the reasons why when Ibn Mas'ud was on his deathbed, Uthman bin Affan came to visit him. And he sought apologies from him. There were one or two other issues too. And he said to him that, don't worry, after you die, I, I will take care of your daughters. So Ibn Masood then said that um, the Prophet taught us that whoever reads Surah Mulk in the evening, Allah will take care of their risk. So they're in good hands. Zayd bin Thabit he completed the task with excellence during the Khilafah of Abu Bakr and Umar Abu Bakr al-Siddiq and then also Uthman an's time. Um, someone would assume that maybe there was some rivalry between Zayd bin Thabit and maybe Ibn Mas'ud not at all. There was nothing but love. And Zayd bin Thabit was loved by all the companions, by all of them, and I'll share with you. Umar radiallahu an appointed him as judge during his khilafah. When Umar radiallahu an would head out for hajj, he would specifically appoint 
Zayd bin Thabit an, as the governor of Medina Munawwara in his absence. Even the Khalifas of the time, the companions, they all have respect for him. One time Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an, uh, went to visit Marwan. Marwan, who was one of the famous Umayyads, خَرَجَ مِنْ عِنْدِي مَرْوَانِ نَحْوَ مِنْ نِسْفِ النَّهَارِ It was midday time, and Zayd bin Thabit exited the, the quarters of Marwan. So a group of companions, younger folks, they came and they asked that, فَقُلَّا مَا بَعَثَ إِلَيْهِ السَّاعَةَ إِلَّا لِشَيْءٍ سَأَلَهُ عَنْهُ فَقُمْتُ إِلَيْهِ فَسَأَلْتُهُ That a group of companions, they said, if Zayd bin Thabit went to meet him in the midday hours, they must have had some important conversation. Maybe Marwan asked him about something. Let's go find out what they talked about. Zayd bin Thabit, this great scholar, Marwan, this Umayyad governor, what was the conversation about? So he said, I got up and I asked him, what did Marwan ask you? Qala, he said, he asked me regarding some statements I heard from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ يَقُولَ I heard the Prophet of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم saying, نَظَّرَ اللَّهُ إِمْرَأً سَمِعَ مِنَّا حَدِيثًا فَحَفِذَهُ حَتَّى يُبَلِّغَهُ غَيْرَهُ فَإِنَّهُ رُبَّ حَامِلِ فِقْهٍ لَيْسَ بِفَقِيهِ وَرُبَّ حَامِلِ فِقْهٍ إِلَى مَنْ هُوَ أَفْقَهُ مِنْهِ May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring brightness to the face of the one who heard a hadith and then protected it, preserved it, and then conveyed it to someone else. For it is very possible that a carrier of knowledge may not be one who truly understands what they have memorized. And it's possible that a person who carries knowledge to another may end up conveying it to the other person who actually understands what was said. The other person, حامل الفقه Someone else may actually understand, oh, this is the murad of this ayah. This is the meaning of this hadith of Rasulullah Zayd bin Thabit says, that then I told Marwan, the Prophet said, there are three things the heart of the believer will never get wrong. There are three things the heart of the believer will never get wrong. ثَلَاثُ خِصَارٍ لَا يَغِلُّ عَلَيْهِنَّ قَلْبُ مُسْلِمٍ أَبَدًا إِخْلَاصُ الْعَمَلِ لِلَّهِ The heart of the believer will always do things solely for the sake of Allah. وَالْمُنَاسَحَةُ وَلَاتِ الْأَمْرِ And the heart of the believer will always offer the most sincere advice to the leaders. That you will always give sincere advice to them. وَلُزُومِ الْجَمَاعَةِ فَإِنَّ دَعْوَتَهُمْ تُحِيطُ مِنْ وَرَائِهِمْ And then he said, the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ كَانَ هَمُّهُ الْآخِرَةِ جَمَعَ اللَّهُ شَمْلَهُ Whoever makes their concern the Akhirah, whoever makes their full worry in this dunya the Akhirah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will gather it all and present it to him. وَجَعَلَ غِنَاهُ فِي قَلْبِهِ وَأَتَتْهُ الدُّنْيَا وَهِيَ رَاغِمَةِ Allah will give you everything from the Akhirah, and the dunya will be yours too, even if it doesn't want to be yours. عَلَى رَغِمَةِ عَلَى رَغْمِي Right? Even if it has to be dragged and delivered, Allah will give you the dunya. You make your focus the Akhirah. وَمَنْ كَانَتْ نِيَّتُهُ الدُّنْيَا And whoever makes his worldly goal the world, فَرَّقَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ ضَيْعَتَهُ Allah will disperse it on him. 
وَجَعَلَ فَقْرَهُ بَيْنَ عَيْنَيْهِ And the man will remain desperately in need of it, running around after it, begging for the dunya right here all the time, right in front of him, بَيْنَ عَيْنَيْهِ He won't be able to get it, but he'll run after it. All morning and evening, like a beggar running in front of the dunya with a bowl out, please give me a little more, please give me a little more, please give me a little more. وَلَمْ يَأْتِهِ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا مَا كُتِبَ لَهُ And he will not receive from the dunya, but what was written for him. وَسَأَلْنَا And then the companions, they say, we asked Zayd bin Thabit عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى That what is this middle prayer referenced in the ayah? حَافِذُوا عَلَى الصَّلَوَاتِ وَالصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى That Allah told us to be punctual in our prayers, and then specifically, then emphasize, تَخْسِيس بَعْدِ التَّعْمِيمِ الصَّلَاةِ الْوُسْطَى That be mindful of that middle prayer. So he said, هِيَ الظُّهْرُ That this ayah is referring to dhuhr salah. Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu One day, um, he was traveling in the streets of Medina Munawwara. Abdullah ibn Abbas approached him. This narration, you can find it in the Mukhtasar, Tariq Dimashq, by Ar-Ruwayfi'i ibn Mandur al-Ansari, Ar-Ruwayfi'i al-Afriqi. He narrates this riwayah on Ammar bin Abi Ammar. That one time Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu was riding in the streets. فَأَخَذَ إِبْنُ عَبَّاسِ بِرِكَابِهِ Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu approached his side. The, like the royalty of Medina. The Prophet sallallahu cousin. The Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu approaches Zayd bin Thabit and holds the side of his animal. It's a very humble position to be in. That there is a scholar on an animal mounted riding through the streets. And not only, he doesn't ride the animal with him, he stands by his side very respectfully walking his animal along the streets of Medina. Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu says, Tanaha, ya ibn Ammi Rasulillah, get away from me, O cousin of the Prophet of Allah. What are you doing? Why are you holding the side of my animal? You're not supposed to be doing this. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhu says, هَكَذَا أُمِرْنَا أَن نَفْعَلْ بِعُلَمَائِنَا This is how we were taught to treat our scholars. You stay on your animal, I'm gonna stand by your side, humbly, respectfully walking with you. فَقَالَ زَيْدٍ Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu says, أَرِنِي يَدَكَ Show me your hand. فَأَخْرَجَ يَدَهُ So Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu took his hand up. Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu فَقَبَّلَهَا He kissed his hand. فقال هكذا أمرنا أن نفعل بأهل بيت نبينا and this is how we were taught to treat the family of our prophet the adab and ihtiram they had among one another the respect they taught us how to treat scholars how to treat the family members of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam regarding the family members the other day Imam Suhaib came he shared that fascinating story but there was some lady who reached out to him on Instagram. And she said that, is it possible to see the Prophet of Allah in your dream? So Imam Suhaib said to her, she was some non-Muslim lady. He added an accent to her message. The Texan lahja. So um, she said that, is it possible to see the Prophet of Allah in your dream? Is it possible to see Muhammad in your dream? So he said, yes it is. So she said, I've seen the Prophet of Allah how many times? 
35, 40 times I've seen your prophet in my dream. 35, 40 times. So he said that I had a feeling that she was from Ahlul Bayt, this lady was. So I asked her, tell me about yourself. She said, well, I was adopted into a family and I have a lineage that's all in Arabic. So he read it and it was a shajara that took her right back to Rasulullah And she became Muslim. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. Hakadha umirna an naf'al bi ahli bayti nabiyyina sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Imam Malik rahmatullahi alayhi says, Imam al-Nasi 'indana Zayd ibn Thabit wa ba'dahu ibn Umar. Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala, who was the, the great faqih and muhaddith, he said that out of the people of Medina, we first turn to Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu And then after that, we go to Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu When Uthman bin Affan radiallahu was um, in his home under that house arrest, if we can say that. So when he was at home, Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu showed up. And he said, I'm here for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'll die for you. And Zayd bin Thabit, he says to him, take it easy, soldier. I have something else for you to do. He said, go outside and calm people down. Go outside. Everyone's riled up outside. They respect you. Go there and calm people down. So he went outside. And one person got in his face. And the two of them went back and forward. And that guy said something bad to Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu. One of the sahaba there said, buddy, you know, if this man were to die, he said that if, if, if this man were to die, you wouldn't, even know, you wouldn't even know how to inherit from your own dad. He is the, like, the treasure box of knowledge. Where would you learn your deen from if you were to lay your fingers on such knowledgeable great people like this? Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu an, towards the end of his life, Ibn Abi Shayba narrates this, Imam Bihaqi rahmatullahi narrates this in his sunnah, um, that... When Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anh became old, he was tested with incontinence. And فَكَانَ يُصَلِّ وَهُوَ يَخْرُجُ مِنْهُمْ So even when he would pray salah, sometimes urine would come out. وَلَمْ يَبْرَأْ مِنْهُ And he did not actually ever find cure from it until he left this dunya. Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anh passed away. And his passing away was very heavy on all the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Every one of them. Imam Waqidi rahmatullahi alayhi says that he passed away in the year 54 after Hijrah at the age of 56. When he was buried, Abdullah bin Abbas an said, that today so much knowledge has been buried along with him. Not only did we bury a great Sahabi of the Prophet of Allah, but today we also buried ilm. Abu Hurairah radiallahu an, he said, Today the great scholar of this ummah left the world. But my hope is that Ibn Abbas radiallahu an will take his place. When he passed away, Hassan bin Thabit radiallahu an uh, read a line of poetry regarding him. And some have attributed it to a poet and not necessarily Hassan bin Thabit radiallahu an. 
فمن للقوافي بعد حسان وابنه فمن للقوافي بعد حسان وابنه ومن للمعاني بعد زيد بن ثابت that who will share poetry with us after Hassan bin Thabit and his children leave فمن للقوافي بعد حسان وابنه ومن للمعاني and who will teach us the deeper meanings of the deen بعد زيد بن الثابت after the departure of Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevates his maqam. From this story we learn lessons. Lessons of sacrifice, of knowledge, of hard work. How every sahabi played a special role and their tarbiyah by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prepared them for something greater. I didn't even start discussing the disputes that Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu solved during the Khilafah of Umar an, during the Khilafah of Uthman an. His court cases are so many. There are books gathered on the court cases of the Sahaba, Qadaya Sahaba. And Zayd bin Thabit an actually had to pass a judgment on Umar ibn al-Khattab an too, the Amir al-Mu'mineen of the time. And that's who he was. His knowledge was deep and every detail mattered. When someone asked him a question, he would say, he would ask them, Oh, is this what happened? Literally like that. He would stretch the ah. Allah? Hakada? That is this what happened? And if the person responded, yes, that's exactly what happened. The way I presented the question is the question. This is actually what happened. He would then answer. And if the person, when he would ask them again, that by Allah, is this what happened? If that guy stayed silent, he wouldn't respond to him at all. He wouldn't even give a fatwa. Because if you aren't sure of your question, I won't give you an answer. A great giant and scholar he was. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with people of ilm like this. May Allah azza wa jal inspire our hearts with a deep understanding of Qur'an and sunnah and make us a people of fiqh. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow our knowledge to be for His sake. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be conduits of the knowledge of the salaf and the sahaba and rasulullah and those that came before. Uh, allow us to be conduits for that knowledge for the generations to come. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill the grave of Zayd bin Thabit radiallahu anhu with nur and allow us to walk in his footsteps. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.